0: this is the real magic podcast learn about great design and use it to get great results now your hosts greg merrilies and alan nunez Hello listener and thank you for joining Alan and I today for the Real Magic Design podcast where we try to unpack our experience to help designers and business owners understand how to create amazing designs and to work together to make design that is profitable. I'm Greg from Studio One Design and here's my co-host Alan from Pixel Partners HQ. How are you Al? I'm awesome, Greg. How are you doing, brother? Finally got that intro out. Um, Yeah, it was great. (laughs) At least
1: we didn't talk about chicken wings. Chicken wings, hey. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's a little joke between you and I. Listeners, you'll have to, maybe we'll let you know the the secret later on down the track. Hey, Greg, we have got a killer episode coming up. But before we get into that, mate, what have you been up to this week? Well, you know, for me,
0: I've had a look at automation. I don't have much automation in my business, but I've just been looking at, you know, one of the you know the the best well in my opinion one of the best um, automation software platforms out there infusionsoft and you know which are really good for just small business that's what they their core is and I know there's other really good companies out there like entreport um active campaign but I've chosen infusionsoft and it's just incredible with all of these platforms how you can automate so many things in your business from sales and marketing and even fulfilling of of an order and yeah i'm just loving it at the moment so that's it what about you al
1: i'm partway through a, a big cleanup at the moment yeah interestingly enough i listen i actually re-listened to an episode of sales marketing profit with james shramko and taki moore where you were the feature oh did you Yeah, and they talked about how you change the structure of your business and, you know, having a physical office and a variety of things and the assumptions that are made, you know. And I've just, I came to realize a few days ago that, you know, my office has got all this stuff in cupboards and file drawers that I'm keeping just because, well, for no other reason, but I figured that I should be keeping it. Um, so in turn, it's getting a little bit cluttered. So I've gone out, I've grabbed myself some uh, some plastic storage crates, and I'm literally going to empty every drawer, every cupboard into these crates. I'm going to date them, and I'm going to move them into storage. And if they're still sitting there in storage in six months' time, I'm not even going to open the crates. I'm just going to empty them straight into a skip bin.
0: I love it. Uh, you know, I had one of the best times emptying my entire office into the tip.
1: It's great. I mean... You know, we just make assumptions that we need to have all this stuff. Yeah. And it is just yep. stuff. And, you know, especially in design, you know, you end up with, you know, 45,000 business card examples, you know, and it's just like, we just don't need it.
0: No, absolutely. Yeah. So now that's, that's cool. So you just cleanse in. It feels good, doesn't it?
1: It does. It does. Look, I'm only part way through it and I'm looking forward to finishing it. So maybe next episode I will have it done and I'll tell you how it feels. Um, but I literally, you know, in the top drawer of my desk, I would like to just have the five things that I need to access every day. Yeah, awesome. And nothing else. So anyway, look, on that note, you know, talking about um, lifestyle and, and getting your life under control, today we have Nikki Fogden Moore as our guest. She's waiting in the wings to, to jump into this uh, episode, um, but just before she comes on, Nikki is just an absolute phenomenal case study in all the right things to do to get your branding correct, both your businesses branding and personal branding. She has a, an unbelievable history of working with some amazing agencies, and, and I know that today she is just going to share some absolute gold so uh greg if it's all right with you we'll get her in yeah let's do it oh nikki it is so good to um to have you here uh both greg and i are very familiar with your work but look for the sake of our listener can you just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do
2: Hi guys, I'm Nikki Fogdemore. I'm otherwise known as the Vitality Coach, and I basically specialize in working with highly driven individuals and companies that want to get the most out of their life. So I like to split people into two categories: people that life does stuff to and the people that do things with life. And I work with the latter of those two. So it's about, you know, elevating everything that you do and really finding harmony and and business and personal vitality and how to bring that to life and really enjoy every moment. So whether it's strategic stuff or Personal health and well-being, I really work on that level um, to help people realize their true potential and create the life that they want.
1: That really rolled off the tongue there, Nikki. It sounds like you're pretty clear on your purpose and your your brand. I guess your brand um, identity.
2: Well, I I think it kind of found me. I've got a, a really strong background in branding, brand strategy, and activation. I started off, you know, at university doing uh, marketing branding, specialising in sponsorship. I went straight into a junior sponsorship role with a an international sports team and then on to working agency side and PR, branding and and creative direction. So I'm really lucky to have a love of of storytelling and a love of branding and that's really um, been the backbone for I guess the communication side but Due to all of that, I've been involved in personal training, nutrition, studying sports. I competed in triathlon and I grew up in a place that was sun, sea, um, nature and and the land of the long white cloud in New Zealand. So I think that has always been the backbone of my own lifestyle is health, well-being and vitality and and I just changed my career when I was 30 after working for 10 years already when I was living in Europe. I decided to... um, press pause. Uh, I was a strategic director at a big branding agency. I went and drove a ski boat in Greece for a while. And then I started a dedicated athlete management agency to help individuals build themselves as brands. And I started what was then called Life's a Gym. So I worked with CEOs and executives by doing boardroom retreats and um, really working with them on taking their life to the next level. So yeah, and it just grew from there. (laughs)
0: That's <laughs> amazing. That is incredible. And obviously, so you've got a lot of brand experience and it really shows in your current branding as well. I mean, your branding is absolutely amazing in my opinion. Um, so obviously, you're a fan of having strong branding. Um, how have you used it in your business and what is the key to making it so successful?
2: I think the first thing that is most important is that often People forget that as a person, you're a brand. So, whether you're talking about branding a company or branding yourself as an individual or just how you live your life, you're a walking, talking version of any brand that you know, like, and trust. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Apple hangs out with certain other brands, it dresses a certain way, it communicates in a certain language. It's just like a person. And as a person, when you become really clear on who you authentically are, you can't help but shine and be clear in that. And that then defines how you dress. It the communication, the language that you use, it it defines your friends and family and who you spend your time with and the places that you hang out. They kind of all make up your personal brand and when you get aware of that, it actually starts to reflect who you are, what you stand for and what you do and it's the same thing in business. So that really drove me. I have a really, really strong love of film, television and uh, photography. I've been working for over two decades uh, behind the scenes directing You know, little movies for athletes and also in the creative industry for television commercials. I worked as a strategic director, so closely with creative directors. So I've always had an eye for beautiful photography and storytelling with simplicity and clarity. And I think when you can hone in to what a brand or a message is, and if it really fits what it can deliver, whether it's a person or a product, then you're going to create magic.
1: That's that's fabulous. I love, the, I love the point about simplicity and clarity. I mean, it really does resonate with what Greg and I talk about a lot, which is get clear on what that message is. So can I ask you a quick question related to your branding? What, what's, what's your simple, clear message that you're trying to get across?
2: I think the simple, clear message for me, and it always has been, is the mantra that you can create the life you want. And the way that I carry that through in my branding, I actually use images that are from my life. I use images that are shot. I don't use any Photoshop on my own uh, images, which some, maybe now is becoming a bit of a, a worry because you know I'm not going to put my age out there, but I'm certainly steeping up towards um you know a, a few digits i'm the head trainer for women's health and fitness magazine and i shoot every month in fitness and which is really Uh, A challenge because I have to stand in front of the camera and and you sort of roar on page. But if you really live what you love, then you need to show them who it is that they're buying and you need to be consistent with that. So my um, message is create the life that you love and my images reflect what I love to do. So um, interacting with people, fantastic luxury places, the ocean, friends, family, of course, my dog, Roxy, and just really been in incredible environments. And so my photography is capturing my world. I want people to, when they go onto my new website, actually, that Greg's been helping me with is I want them to feel like they want to dive into the page because I don't have a shop front. My website is my shop. My website is a window into the world of Nikki. And when people work with me, they get 150% of me. It's not here's this product, and then you get diverted to someone else. Even my team walked the same talk and, and the values. So imagery, I think, is first and foremost something that people overlook. They think they can get stock imagery to tell a story. But the first step is to really figure out what do you stand for and what, what really is important to you. Because if you can harness that, then you can start building direction for how you're going to tell that story and, and how you're going to get that message out.
0: I love that I think the key word that I got from all that is be authentic and you know just be true to yourself with your branding and that certainly has reflected very well in in obviously your new website but um, even you know everything that you do in your branding has that that sort of exclusivity and that sort of upper class feel but it's just because of the lifestyle that you've created so your brand really reflects your lifestyle which I absolutely love.
2: And I, at the end of the day, the first step I would say to people is that there's so much clutter and there's so much out there and don't get SOS, which is shiny object syndrome. It. So draw, draw inspiration from things that you like around you visually and when you're ready to design your website or when you're ready to look at your Facebook header or anything else, but then come back to the drawing board and really nut down three core words that best describe you and what your your product promise and point of view is as as a brand and as a person and as a service. What is your product? When people work with you, what do they get? What is your promise? So you know what do you deliver with that product and what is your point of view? And when you know those three things, you can start to build your, your brand Trinity. And you can start to then work out what images match that, what word and creative context, even down to fonts, you can start to choose fonts on that too.
1: I love how you talk about, you know, getting that that trilogy there and getting the imagery right. I think a lot of, I mean, look, we talk to designers and business owners in, in this podcast and I think a lot of designers get somewhat deflated when clients can't supply imagery that really does resonate with their brand um often businesses try a little too hard if they if they are you know getting their own photos taken and they don't come back being authentic but it it doesn't have to be hard i mean some of the images that that you use nikki are just really beautiful simple images taken at the spur of a of a moment
2: yeah and I think this is a really important point for listeners as well whether you're a designer or whether you're working with designers don't be afraid to do some due diligence and really stop and sit down and think if if you could only have 10 or 15 core images that are going to be representative of your brand you know first of all why is imagery so important because image, an image is a thousand words. You know, and I think that one of the challenges I have because I do so many different products and services, it's hard to sort of we want to fine tune all the time, don't we, Greg? We, we say we want to simplify, yeah. but at the end of the day, if you had to choose one image that best summed up your brand, that's the first place to start. And I think, if I think as a designer, it's asking your clients the right questions. Like, do you have a very easy? cheat sheet that clients can go through or you can walk them through so you can best understand what they like, who they hang out with and what they represent. Like what brands are their favorite brands? What do they wear? Um, You know, where do they love to eat? Finding out more about your client and as a client, showing more of yourself as a person will help the design process become, you know, even more amazing.
0: Yeah and I think you know the key is to take authentic photos and you know I just had a recent photo shoot I only had 3 photos taken oh you know it was a hundred taken you but are
2: camera shy aren't
0: you <laughs> well I'd, yeah but the thing is I think it's so important as well and you know I wanted it to show you know not a, not a real studio shot but just a lifestyle background and just more I wanted my personality to come out of it and I think that's what you know this photographer captured which I was really really happy with the result so it doesn't have to cost a fortune you just need to invest a little bit of money in say a professional photo shoot and I think anybody can you know get their personality through their brand as opposed to getting like you said some stock images which is the wrong way to go
2: well and on the other hand though if you need to get started because remember the whole adage sort of fail forward or don't wait for it to be a hundred percent if you are building your stuff with you guys and you you as designers you do need to provide stock imagery the first thing is figuring out you know, what imagery, there's nothing worse than a generic kind of meeting room or people high-fiving themselves in an (laughs) office setting. You know, so I think it's about be brave, but even if you're buying stock imagery, you don't have to wait for a big photo shoot, but you do have to come right back to the drawing board and think, you know, as a brand, what do I stand for? What type of language and and tone of voice am I going to use? And by tone of voice, that means... Are we casual or are we super professional? Because that those things also reflect in the images that your designers may be using. And also, for example, my business cards have all my images on them. So I have multi-image business cards and I always display a fan of them when I meet people and people can choose the one they want and <laughs> I have a quote on it or whatever else. Because I love photography. So it's natural for me to go one step further and do photography that is beyond average because i'm very passionate about photography so but i don't think people should expect to have these kind of you know million dollar images if they're working from home and you're starting your online business just make sure you choose the right stock images Mm. that fit where you are
1: i think along those lines too you know designers often fall into the trap of working with what the client has supplied Right Now, if the client has supplied either really bad images that they've had taken, the, the designer's trying to design within those constraints. And in some cases, it is, it is better for the designer to say, okay, why don't we find some stock images that will represent your brand correctly? Um, I think also, too, when – I mean, we see this all the time, and Greg, I'm sure you see it, but clients supplying stock images, yeah. well, the clients, they don't – have the experience all the time to really hunt for those images that are fabulous because there are a lot of really great stock images out there they're going to grab from the first four pages of the search results which are generally those cheesy corny images that everybody else is is selecting you know and designers need to push back a little bit and 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 not be afraid to say look this is really going to have an impact on your brand if we don't do this right and I think designers should, shouldn't should be afraid to charge a little bit extra in the job for the time it takes to find the perfect images. I mean, Greg, I don't know about you, but my guy spent an enormous amount of time crawling through yeah. stock libraries to find that perfect image because it's quite often either not under the keyword that you might think it might be or it's not in the first 10 pages. It's 30, 40, 50 pages down the, down the search. Yeah, could be.
2: Do you guys think also like if anyone's listening to this, maybe we should give them a bit of framework on kind of if they're getting inspired by this, by listening to this podcast and think, well, maybe I need to refresh my site or maybe I need to go back and have a chat about what to do next. We could kind of give them maybe, you know, just how to kind of get back to the drawing board and make sure that you're on brand still because as you evolve, you also need to evolve your branding.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we can, maybe we can um, put something together and put it in the show notes, which is kind of a a quick checklist of, you know, what, what are the core things that you need to be checking when you are, you know, looking at your brand.
0: And I love what Nikki said before about those three things as well, when you're, when you're briefing or when you're trying to come up with, you know, what's your brand all about? So we'll put them in there as well.
2: Yeah, I use those religiously, actually, uh, and I think that what happens is people try and promote a product, but they haven't worked out what their brand strategy is. And it can, just be, it, it can just be half a page. It doesn't have to be some big convoluted, you know, document, bureaucratic document. It's what's the essence of why are we doing this? What is it that we're selling and how can people get it from us?
0: Yeah, and listener, if we haven't said Nikki's website yet, it's thevitalitycoach.com.au. Go check it out and you'll see just how amazing her branding is.
1: Yeah, definitely. Go and have a look because, I mean, it is just absolutely phenomenal, the clarity of, of Nikki's branding. And and as far as those, those core things, I, I encourage all my clients to have a simple one- to two-sentence statement that just summarises exactly what they're about you know take the time to think about it. it's actually not easy to develop for most businesses we try um, and complicate things we try and um, add more into it when often you know less is where it needs to be
2: yeah that's completely right less is more and it's you know what I the biggest tip I would give people is the first thought is always the right one I've been using the same mantra since I started my company a decade ago and my words have not changed the mission hasn't changed It's just really funny that you just, if it's really congruent, you probably won't need to change it again. You might sort of update your branding and change your style and add products and services or the way that you reach your customers. But the the why and the the mission behind your company probably will never change when you get that right.
1: What a great tip. I love that. Absolutely agree. Now, look, Nikki, you are an Absolute wealth of knowledge um, for design and branding, and, and as you mentioned before, you know you've got a really interesting background working with some of the great design, advertising, marketing agencies like Interbrand and Ogilvy. If you had to pick the top thing that you've learned from working in in those environments that you've carried into your business today, what would be the number one thing that you 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 know have brought with you?
2: I, I really think that s- surrounding all the fluff and the and the beauty and the visual stories and the razzmatazz and and the um, I don't know I think the entertainment around branding it's it's the it's the single most important message that's distilled that once you get that right it's like this core it's like the pulse it's the heart of the brand and that is the bit that that requires the most work but when that is discovered and when that is congruent it's it's just magical because then you can build different stories then you can start to think how are we going to bring this to life in video how is this going to be on our radio show how are we going to do this with customer care do we send postcards out like if you my biggest piece of advice is spend is stop what you're doing, stop the treadmill, stop the rat waste and take half a day and maybe get some experts and in. invest time and in having the right people around the table that are not going to waste your time with long documents, but they will ask you the right questions. Because in a 60 minute phone call, you can distill the essence, the what, why and how, and you can then also talk about where to go next. So. Get to the heart of what your brand statement is. And then once you've got that, that's what I've, That's the biggest thing I learned. A strong strategy is the best foundation.
0: That's incredible. So what was your role there?
2: I was strategic director, um, so I started off, you know, pretty young in that world and, and earned my stripes. I think the good thing about growing up in New Zealand and, and Australasia is you really have to roll your sleeves up and you, you do everything from licking envelopes to setting up massive events. I had roles that were way above my, <laughs> my station, but you just jump in and you learn as you go. So, um, you know, and it was what was called through the line advertising then. Now, through the line, there's below-the-line advertising, which is like direct marketing, um, you know, events and things, and above-the-line advertising, which is television commercials, print, paid media, and that sort of thing. So I was responsible in divisions that were through the line. So we did things from PR and editorial right through to, you know, launching Sony PlayStation, um, working with Coopers. Um, you know, when Fitness First start, started up many, many, many moons ago, I worked with the creative director who's now one of my best friends, actually, she's Swedish, and we worked on all the Fitness First branding and we created their brand toolkit. Wow! And that, I can remember going to their offices when they were just, you know, doing setting up selling machines and this is way back when. So, we're, we're talking about, you know, mega brands that all have one thing in common and that is a strong brand message. Um, And the due diligence to figure out what that is. And when brands waver off that and they try and be all things to all people, that's when you notice that it doesn't work.
1: Now, Nikki, you talk about having, um, like building that brand and and putting it together for some of these big multinationals. And I I know a lot of our listeners are going to say, well, that's all good and fine, but I'm not a big multinational and I don't have deep pockets. And I suspect I know the answer to my next question, but... Do you have a you know a brand guideline a, a a physical document for your business that holds all that structure holds that core essence and how uh, your business is to be represented?
2: Yeah, I actually have a two-page document. I've I've made it more of a drawing than lots of words. Let me tell you something, and just like you said, you expect you know the answer. It does not matter if we, you're a multinational company or you're an individual person uh, operating in Nantucket, um, an online marketing business, or selling widgets. The, the essence of branding is the same, which is why I started an, individ, you know, an agency to help individuals brand themselves. Uh, whether you're a brand or a person, you figure out who do you hang out with, what do you wear, how do you talk, and what do you do? And those actually end up being, you know, who do you work with for sponsorships and who are your collaboration partners? That's who you hang out with. What do you wear? What are your colors? What imagery is on your site and ac- according to your brand? You know, what are your fonts that you're hanging around you? And, and, and also, how do you talk? So what is your tone of voice? What language do you use? And what sort of, is it professional um all those things and then the third the fourth thing of course is is what do you do how do people connect with you is it face to face is it online all those things whether you're a multinational brand or a small tiny person even a grandmother selling knitting services it doesn't make a difference
1: so would you say you know every business or person or product that needs to be branded should have some kind of formal document I mean, is it just an exercise in forcing you to get that stuff out of your head and formalize it?
2: Well, that depends on what your vision is because yes, it's an exercise, but at the end of the day, it's a brand, it's a guidelines that forms your style guideline because the the key to great branding is consistency. And if you are the one person in your business, when you start to get successful and grow, the people that you hire have to walk, look, talk, and do the same. So you need brand guidelines to be able to make strategic discussions about should we collaborate with this person? Does it fit our brand guidelines? You know, does it fit our strategy on who we hang out with? So for example, for me, I have really, really clear um, guidelines on who I hang out with. My companies have to be sustainable. They have to be aware of conscious living. They have to be run by really visionary types of people that have started out with authentic reasons. I endorse products that are not tested on animals. I have all these things that are important to my values and that helps me make strategic directions when I do collaborations, for example. Am I confusing you now?
1: No, I was about to say that, you know, that was the correct answer. Well done.
2: Do I get something? Is there a prize?
1: (laughs) I just love how in-depth you go into design. You're
0: obviously passionate about it. And so have um, have you always used external designers or have you had an internal team?
2: You know, I have to share a little uh, nugget. I've actually did a lot of the stuff myself. The first three <laughs> sites I built myself. I learned how to use fireworks. Um, i I wasted hours
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> when I should have had an expert team. but you know, as we all do in the beginning, we really yeah. do a lot I mean I even edit my own like I produce probably ten to twelve videos a month. The graphics on the video, the intro, outro, the PNG files, all that stuff I was doing myself.
0: That's amazing. Wow. Well done for... Uh, Not yeah.
2: anymore, however. I have a dream team now. But, <laughs> but, but I must admit, learning about how to do that stuff helped me become a better briefer. And don't forget, I had that agency background. Yeah, so exactly. if you if you don't have that background, you're starting to freak out about this discussion. And think, it's so easy to download a checklist, like how to brief... Five tips to brief my designer, or just ask. Like you guys have on your website, you know, briefing templates. Yeah, yeah. Um, and don't be afraid to reach out and ask people that perhaps are doing it really well that inspire you, and say, "Would you mind if I had, you know, you answered some questions, or could you help me?" It's just people are willing. If they really are.
0: So true. Yeah. So, what would be the hardest thing about working with, um, you know, external designers?
2: Uh, well, as you you and I know, uh, I think it's the marriage between what someone has in their head yeah. and the execution of a creative idea because yeah. it's subjective. We're, talking, we're not talking spreadsheets, facts, and figures. We're, design is a subjective uh, process. Um, therefore, it's about the power of the brief, being able to show visual examples, and that's really the biggest challenge because I think working with clients over the years and then work and having to bridge the gap between a client and creative team, my job was to help them understand each other. Yeah. It was a tough job. So there you, you have to find examples.
0: So yeah, and so the the main thing would be to have really strong questions.
2: Yeah, and also visual examples. Like for example, hop online and show fonts that you like or download yep. the Google Fonts guide and and, be, and explain why you like them. Um, and then trust your design team. So don't just hire the cheapest people on the market and think you're going to get an A-grade result. You get what you pay for with design.
1: Yeah, look, you absolutely do. I mean, at the end of the day, um, I love the idea of giving visual examples, you know, and explaining why. I mean, we quite often get given, oh, we really like these things, but we don't know why they like it. And the reality is it might only be a single element in the example that they've given, you know, so to dig deep and and try and, um, you know, online is great today. I mean, you've got things like, you know, Pinterest where you can just scour through some amazing images and amazing designs, pull them off and then write yourself one sentence or write the designer one sentence as to why you like it.
2: I think that's a really good point, Alan, like create a mood board on Pinterest. So if you, you're building your new website and you're briefing, you know, Studio One Design, create a Pinterest board of the stuff that inspires you and send it over and be prepared to be able to have a 10-minute discussion with your design team because that putting that time in up front will reduce the time at the back end.
1: And, look, if you're a designer and – You've got a client that's struggling to brief you. I mean, what I often do is I ask them to go and get those examples. I don't ask them to explain the why at that point because that may intimidate somebody who's not experienced at giving a brief. You know, go out, tell them, go and get a bunch of stuff that you like and a bunch of stuff that you don't like and then have that 10-minute conversation. Be You know, if you're the designer, be the driving force behind that and say, all right, you've supplied me 10 images that you like. Tell me why you like this one. Uh, print it out write some notes or, or get onto a um you know a skype call or a google hangout where you can both see the screen and take notes as to why they like it because quite often you know they'll like something but it's only like i said it might be one or two things it might be the tones not the fonts that are used it might be the color scheme it could be a variety of things you know the image that's been used not the headline so You know, I think from both sides, you have a responsibility. From the business owner, you've got to try your hardest to get that information to the professional designer that you're working with. But designers, you know, don't fall into the trap. And I've seen it so many times. You fall into the trap of just working with what you've been given. And it just makes your life harder.
2: I think that's a great thing. I just think that's coming back to the same point of just slow down a little bit because you want quality out so you have to put quality in and even if it just means blocking 15 minutes in your agenda to really sit down and plan your expectations whether you're a designer or the client and it doesn't matter if you're having your first business card done ever you know we know how important it is to have that come to life and and it just there's so much saturation it can get so confusing so just block everything out and 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 work back to those three things what are your favorite three colors You know, do you like font that has a flick off it or do you like clean lines? Those sort of things are are really great questions to think about And, and keep it simple and at the end of the day, let the designer do their job.
1: Look, I've got an interesting question for you because, I mean, you talked about, you know, taking that time in the front end to work out the likes and dislikes. Um, One of the things that that we focus on, I mean, Pixel Partners is a wholesale design agency, so we're working for other professional designers. But even when I do consulting and customer-facing stuff, we have a policy of uh, presenting a single design After the first brief. Now, that's not to say that we haven't come up with multiple options, um, but we believe we should be so focused on the brief that we only offer up the one design at the beginning, which we think is closest to the brief, and then build from that with feedback. You know, Nikki, do you think taking the time in the front end means that you're going to get much closer to the right design in the first place? And are you the kind of person that likes to see two or three or four different options to choose from? Or would you rather see the best the designer's got to offer and then give them feedback on that?
2: Well, I think I'm a tough customer for design teams um, because I have so much in my head visually. I'm extremely creative, and I'm 100 miles an hour. So I have to slow myself down. Um, so, for example, the process of doing my new site, which isn't live yet, and I hope Greg, it will be soon. It will
0: but, be um, very soon. <laughs>
2: you know, we're still we're jumping through hoops at the back end with that at the moment. But um, I think I really think that just depends, Alan, on what you have agreed. Your expectations are. Because if you have spent time and you feel comfortable with the information as a designer you've been given, and you keep asking questions to distill the facts, then I think that works. But I think you have to set that expectation with the client. Because for some people, this is the first time that what's in their head will ever be given back to them visually. So I always like to present, you know, and creatively in big agencies, we always presented like three things, but we always presented one hero our preference and we explained why and then we showed a couple of versions that could you know could easily sort of be options but we always sold the hero that we felt best fit the strategy the brand and we backed that we backed that horse.
1: See I I come from a similar background where you know we were always it was it was almost like an industry expectation that you would have your hero and you'd present at least two other options it just seemed like it's everybody's done it but the reality is like you say you know if you have the hero and you have all the reasons why and i think you know from a design point of view one of my missions is to break that mold you know is to put the responsibility back on the designer to ask the right questions and to get the information so that you know they can focus on the best design, not just trying to come up with a mix of elements that might make the the customer happy, throw it back in front of the customer. I mean you're talking about big agency where you're dealing with professionals but often we're dealing with small business owners you know who don't have any experience in picking which design would work better for them you know so
2: well, that's why i um you have set expectations up front and say to that person we really want to get this right for you straight up, which is the discussion that Greg and I had. Mm-hmm. Um, and in essence, they presented something that was straight up. All we were doing was fine-tuning a few things. So, yes, in, in the instance of small business design, I definitely think that's the way to go. But it all comes down to the discussion that you have at the beginning at the briefing process so that they understand and that uh, encourages them to be more accountable up front. Oh, Because I agree. if you don't make that clear... They think they've got these unlimited rounds of corrections. But if you say to people, listen, we want to get this right straight away, which is what you guys do, and because you ask so many questions, it increases the chances of connection.
1: And I was going to say, I just think that, you know, you yourself said that you're a difficult customer for a designer, but you and Greg are a great case study that that process can work, taking the time, a little bit of time in the beginning you know, makes it a lot easier. I mean, Greg, would you say it was hard to work with Nikki?
0: <clears throat> she was one of the easiest clients we've had, and I think if I had to listened to this episode first, I'd be a bit scared, but um, <laughs> because she's so strong in design. But you know, like Nikki said, we had a really good conversation. So we have a questionnaire, and then we have a conversation after it to dig much deeper. Um, and so you know, that's partly why we get a good result.
2: Yeah, you spent the time with me, Greg. Though that was the thing; like we yeah. both put time into the process. So. I think if you're running a design agency or you're a designer working with these guys, be prepared to just put that little bit of time in up front. And if you're a client wanting the best out of your money for your design, be prepared to have a couple of conversations to make sure you're understood. And then you'll, you know, you'll be singing. That, that to me is preparation is the key for success in branding.
0: Yeah, couldn't agree more.
1: I was going to say it saves you a lot of time in the back end too i mean people just don't realize how much time gets wasted in you know trying to perfect something that wasn't right to start with you know
2: yeah and i i think that comes right back to the beginning of this conversation is even though there's a lot around to inspire you figure out why you're doing what you're doing doesn't matter what widget you're selling you know what you love and how you look and feel and how you want that to come across because When people actually meet you, you want the you that's on the virtual page to be the real you that they might meet. If you're congruent business-wise with your personal life and you're not having to be Jekyll and Hyde, you'll you'll always win.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you've just been full of some amazing tips. I've learned a a lot from this podcast episode as well. So for the listener that's trying to revamp their branding or, or start off, so what would you suggest is the most important thing to focus
2: on? Um, I think get back to those three, those three pillars. Yeah, I okay. get You know, what What are you selling? Like write out your product description. Why are you doing it? And how are you doing it? And then off the back of that, really think, you know, what brands do you love as a person? What brands do you look up to and do you align with? Because you might find Mercedes-Benz, Hugo Boss, Verve Clicquot, all these things really inspirational, but they might not match the product that you're selling. If you're selling, um, you know, like, I don't know, whatever it is online, T-shirts, for example. So really be honest with what, because usually you'll be running a business that's close to what you love. If you're running the right business and a good business, it'll be an extension of you. Yeah. Therefore, your branding has to be an extension of you as well. So start figuring that out. It's a bit of a vision board thing backed up by the statements of your what why and how
0: yeah and from that point on you know as long as you're congruent with that core message it's going to be a lot easier and a lot cheaper you won't have to change your brand in you know every year or thereabouts
2: yeah that congruence is really really important i think what happens is people look at another brand and listen i and i'm in the health and fitness uh, genre although i coach slightly differently and i and i definitely have Um, you know, a higher end uh, market, it's really easy to get distracted by everything else online. So you have to stay true to you. Authenticity is the most powerful tool in branding.
0: Do you um, coach your clients on branding as well?
2: a lot of my clients it is through the line so we do business personal you know vitality so we talk about that we sometimes even leaders inside organizations have to think about how they're communicating to their teams and are they getting their culture across properly as a person and are they really it it could even be that we actually refresh their look even like you know what they wear to work and um and definitely with the entrepreneurs that I work with I definitely see a difference in how they present their business as a true reflection of who they are as a person. Mm. And when you have that confidence, because that's what it is, it's a confidence to do that. You're believing in yourself and you're backing yourself and you're not getting distracted by what everyone else is doing.
1: That is fabulous, Nikki. This, this episode has just blown me away. I don't know how we've managed to jam so much quality into such a uh, a short episode, Nikki. I'd love to take the the opportunity now to actually invite you back um, on a later date and actually talk more about that personal coaching that you do and the the health and fitness. Because I think we do talk to a lot of business owners and a lot of entrepreneurs, and you know we've talked a lot about design and branding today. But I think they'd really appreciate hearing more about um, about what it is you do. Um, so I'm going to put you on the spot. Will you come back?
2: Yeah, of course. I'd love to. I think I love you guys. I'm, I mean, it's yeah. a bit like the Muppet Show, isn't it? We've got <laughs> so many we can put through from the beginning, but I think it's this energy, passion, and commitment to giving our audiences really, really tangible information and an intelligent discussion. We're not trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes or market anything. We're trying to say we'll help you navigate the, to reach your potential and that's really what I'm committed to so any platform that I can get on board and help entrepreneurs and hardworking people you know bring their business and their personal vitality in line I'm signing me up I'll be there
1: Nikki from myself Greg and our listener thank you very much for joining us today on the real magic um, just for the sake of our listener um, how can they connect with you if they want to find out more with you more about you
2: I, I must admit, I'm a big fan of Instagram. Like, I'm just addicted to that. Obviously, it's an image-rich platform. So, at N Fogden they can hang out, come and interact the more the merrier on Facebook, the Vitality Coach at NFOGDMore as well. And um, but the VitalityCoach.com.au, I've also got, of course, the Vitality Coach podcast, where I really talk to your audience about how to bring goal setting off paper and into action and, you know, finding your dream team, um, finding your purpose and then how to actually execute those things, balance and bucket listing your fitness, like everything. So, you know, I'm I'm around, just Google me and, and see what pops up and I'd love to hear from you as well
0: fantastic nikki well thank you so much for joining us today and um all the best and we look to look forward to speaking you in a future episode
2: i look forward to having you guys on my show too hearing about all your work life success and balances
1: you've got a deal we'll catch you the next time
2: thanks guys
1: thank you nikki wow greg now that nikki's gone i got to say, I didn't want to give her a big head or anything, but that was just phenomenal, wasn't it? Oh, man, incredible,
0: yeah. I think, you know, from I learned so much in that episode. <laughs> she's obviously a, a fantastic coach, and, uh, yeah, I think she's got a lot to offer to the world.
1: Look, and, and, and the passion that she's got. Look, this is going to be tough because we're at the, the, you know, killer tips and listener action part of the episode, and it's going to be really hard for you and I just to give – one killer tip i mean my you know probably the killer tip is just re-listen to this episode but uh, greg what have you got What do you, what's your killer tip yeah so for, based
0: on what nikki said i think you know if you haven't audited your brand and, and the overlook overall look and feel in the last say two years just have a look at it try and look at it from an outsider's point of view um, and just think does it align with your your core values that's probably my killer tip. And if not, you know, just go through the process that Nikki taught us on this call and uh yeah, give it a bit of an over overhaul.
1: Yeah, look, you yeah, know, definitely. I, I think my killer tip is around the whole, you know, simplicity and clarity, mm. you know, just just get it back to its essence. You know, take, whether it's your personal brand, whether it's a product brand, whether it's a business's brand, you know, strip it back, make it simple and make it clear, you know, get the right imagery. And then once you've got the right imagery, get the right font and and get the right colors and and build on that core essence. So, you know, strip back, get get your brand, write down everything that you think it means and then strip it back to just a simple one-sentence or two-sentence statement that summarises what you're about.
0: Awesome tip, Al. Love it. Well, that's it for this episode. So thank you for listening, and um, please leave a review at our website, therealmagic.com, or if you're up for it, a five-star review would be much appreciated over at iTunes.
1: Thanks, listener. We'll catch you next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Real Magic Podcast. Hear more at
2: therealmagic.com.